Hello, my rebels. Today, I'm going to tell you about some crazy city bylaw in Calgary where anyone who has the wrong opinions, an opinion that, quote, gives offense, can be ticketed with a $500 fine. It's rather incredible. And you'll hear the mayor herself explain her thinking. You got to see this one. But first, let me invite you to become a subscriber to Rebel News Plus. It's the video version of this podcast. Just go to rebelnewsplus.com and click subscribe. It's eight bucks a month. You get my show every weeknight and the satisfaction of helping one of Canada's few media companies that doesn't take money from the government. All right, here's today's show. Tonight, why does Calgary, allegedly the freest city in Canada, keep banning peaceful protests? It's February 13, and this is the Ezra Levant Show. Shame on you, you censorious bug. Calgary is the freest place in Canada. I think that's still true. I was born there and grew up there, and it's certainly, I'm sure it's responsible for a lot of my views on freedom. It's certainly a rambunctious place, too, political reform. Lots of political activity always has been, but it's always been peaceful. I mean, think back through the generations, the Canadian Alliance, the Reform Party, before political leaders, whether it's Preston Manning, Stephen Harper, Jason Kenney until he went off the rails, Danielle Smith. Like, they're all from Calgary. You can go back further. You can go back 90 years to the social credit and Bill Aberhart. Or you could go back 90 days to the Calgary School of Freedom-Oriented Thinkers at the University of Calgary. So why is a city that is so free, mavericks, cowboys, you know, why is it becoming so hostile to freedom of speech? I think, for example, of the ongoing war against Arthur Pavlovsky. Now, I grant you, some of that is a provincial prosecution, but as he'll tell you if you ask him, he has been ticketed, fined, charged 100 times before all that by the city of Calgary, and same with other Christian pastors. That's just one example. And now there's this. Look at this story I see in Trudeau's state broadcaster. Calgary mayor threatens to fine protesters after drag event canceled. City will leverage street harassment bylaw for hate-motivated protests. Oh, really? Hate-motivated, hate-fueled. Whenever a politician says that, I, I think they're usually projecting. They have feelings of hate within them. And they can't really admit that, so they call their opponents hateful. It's like when a politician accuses someone of misinformation, usually they're projecting. Even if they're not, it certainly requires mind reading. How does the mayor of Calgary know what's in someone's heart when they choose to peacefully protest? And it begs the question, do Canadians have the right to protest even if they don't have the correct feelings in their heart? Do you have to feel the right feelings and think the right thoughts in your head before you're allowed to protest anything in Calgary, including, in this case, the sexualization of children of tender years? Let me read a little bit from the state broadcaster who couldn't be happier 
about this censorship and ask no questions about civil liberties. They don't care. They're Trudeau's people. They would bring in martial law if they could. So here's the story. Calgary's mayor says hate-fueled demonstrations cannot go on after a scheduled drag event was postponed for safety concerns due to a planned protest, adding the city will use a bylaw to find people communicating hateful messages. Franca Gualtieri, executive director of Chinook Blast, said the organization is aware of protests that were planned for the festival's drag on ice with DJ Gay Snakes at Olympic Plaza on Saturday and Sunday. We made the decision to postpone the programming to a later date when we can better ensure the safety of everyone, Galtieri wrote in an emailed statement. That decision was made after discussions with performers, Galtieri said. So there was no crime committed uh, that we know about. Uh, I don't know if there was any cancel culture. Protesting an event is not the same as trying to shut it down. I think they actually canceled themselves here. Now, if there was some criminal threat, arrest the criminal, of course, but that's already in the criminal code. Here, let me read a little bit more. Recently, drag story times and all-ages drag events in Calgary and across the country have been targeted by opponents, the most vocal of whom are largely members of alt-right groups. (laughs) What? What? Where did you get that from? And, And... And what does it mean to target them? Do you mean to have a peaceful protest? Counter-protesters have shown up at many of those events to voice their support for drag performers. Calgary Mayor Jody Gondek said the city will be ticketing people to address certain types of protests. On Friday, she said the city of Calgary will leverage its existing street harassment bylaw to find those who openly communicate hateful messaging in a public place. Okay, so do you catch that there? There apparently are going to be some protesters against drag queen story hour, all ages drag shows. And I can imagine their reasoning um, because children should not be exposed to sexuality uh, at such a tender year, straight or gay. But there are some counter-protesters apparently going to support it. So the mayor is saying that one side is welcome, the other is not. They're both going to be at the same place at the same time. And the mayor is saying that the bad guys aren't allowed. And the bad guys just happen to the people she, she disagrees with. Now, the CBC says that there's a lot of alt-right people who are going. I didn't know there were any alt-right people in in Calgary. I didn't know they were involved in the anti-drag queen story hour movement. Um, But you can see it's it's hyperlinked there. So I'm very curious. If you click on the link to see their source for this, they take you to another CBC story uh, where they just say it. Then the other story is called Drag Story Times Have Become a Target of Hate. Why Some Families Love Them Anyway. As drag story times become a target, kids and families stand behind them. So this is what happens when you clink on that, click on that alt-right wording. Um, they, they don't have any proof. They don't name the alt-right. They just say it's true. The only name they have in this whole story is Tucker Carlson, who, who isn't alt-right, he, he's not Canadian. I, I don't think he is planning to come up to Calgary to protest this thing on the weekend. So twice now the CBC has said that the bad guys are alt-right. And they just refer to the other story that they've already published where they have no proof. It's really weird. But there are protesters on two sides. 
the mayor will bless one side and condemn the other and fine only one side for hate, which is a human emotion that, that is actually not a crime. Here, here's some tweets that the mayor has tweeted. I am personally blocked from her Twitter account, but we were able to get this nonetheless. Saddened and frustrated that Chinook Blast had to cancel a much-anticipated show with talented performers this weekend. Why? Because of planned protests rooted in hate and fear-mongering. I respect the decision and the need to prioritize public and performer safety, but this cannot go on. Okay, so again, you're mind-reading what's in people's hearts. They, they actually didn't show up, so you don't even know what they would have said and done. I had my book event canceled, by the way. I don't know if you remember, I had the Labranos. I had a book event. I rented a theater in both Calgary and Edmonton. Uh, it was actually canceled not by me, but by the venue because they were threatened by members of the public. Could I get some help? Or is it just for people who cancel their own events, who have the right political stripe, that they get the mayor's attention? Here she says, at council on January 17, I push for a better way to address protests rooted in hatred. I received confirmation that the city of Calgary will leverage our street harassment bylaw to find those who openly communicate hateful messaging to stop them in the act. And, and she has a little video of herself boasting about it. Take a look. We had a drag brunch at the rec room in the north of Calgary by our community of drag queens in Calgary who have done amazing work promoting inclusion and really raising awareness of how important it is to be a welcoming community. Unfortunately, some members of our population thought it would be a good idea to protest this event, which is, I'm just going to use my opinion, a horrible thing to do. I was very happy that CPS was there to provide a buffer and to ensure that everyone was safe and that the show could go on. My question is, do we have the ability, when a protest is rooted in hatred, to ticket people and shut this down? How does it work? Mayor Gondek, I will um, seek to answer that question. Um, I am responsible, of course, as the general manager for community services for our bylaw work. And so it would be a bylaw that we would be pursuing that way. Uh, I imagine that there's some complexity to defining what we anticipate uh, to have happen at protests. And so I don't feel like I have uh, the crisp answer that I would like to. Right now, I'm happy to look into that. And I will send a note to all members of council when we have uh, a good, clear answer to your question. Thank you, GM Black. I appreciate that. I didn't expect you to have an answer immediately, but I do appreciate that you will look into it. We cannot have this kind of intolerance and hatred in our city, so thank you for pursuing it. Got it. So protesting against young children being exposed to the sexuality of drag queens is a horrible thing to do. Uh, rooted in hatred, apparently. I, I don't know how she knows that. I, I bet if you ask the parents who were concerned, they'd probably talk about rooted in their love for the kids and their worry. Um, but the mayor wants you to know she's got an enemies list and it's horrible. She continues, we are also thankful to Calgary police for examining a different method to deal with a new era of protests that are a departure from peaceful assemblies of the past that required crowd management. The new reality is that some protests are designed to perpetuate fear and hate. 
<laughs> Hang on. Who, who said that it wasn't peaceful? And who exactly is perpetuating hatred and fear here? And, and are those offenses, being hateful, being afraid, are those offenses that the city government can regulate or any government? Can you tell people how they can feel and not? And will the city of Calgary police actually go along with this? Of course they will. Calgary's police will literally do anything they are told, including in this case, swearing, kicking, and threatening to taser a young hockey player outdoors on a city ice rink that was open. Look at these out-of-control Calgary police who were never disciplined. This is the kind of dirty cops they have in that Calgary police service. Take a look. And if you thought that was a one-off, these are the same dirty cops, bad apples, rotten all the way to the chief, who arrested Arthur Pavlovsky in an El Chapo-style takedown on the highway. Take a look. Yeah, do you doubt those police will do whatever this censorious mayor demands of them? Let me read her fourth tweet. As a city that strives to be inclusive and welcoming, we have to provide safe places for the public to enjoy all that we have to offer without a small group of people creating safety issues by spreading myths, truth, and hate. We cannot tolerate hate masked as protest. Hang on, so, so spreading a mistruth is a safety issue now? And you end by saying what you yourself won't tolerate. You just won't tolerate the other opinion. In a diverse city, you won't tolerate. Holy moly, is that ever a pretzel, eh? So I went on the city of Calgary's street harassment bylaw page. They don't even pretend that it's not about silencing their opponents. Look at that image. This is the actual city official page. The headline is, Silence the Hater. Not protect the public, keep the peace, not even rebut the haters or debate them or refute them or tolerate them. Silence the haters. And of course, the haters is anyone that Jody Gondek hates. And not for anything they've done or anything even that they've said, but for their fear and their hatred. We must demonize and silence the haters, except for Jody Gondek. She's allowed to hate whoever she hates. Here's the actual wording of the bylaw. It's actually just one section there, section 21C1, which defines the word harass as to communicate with a person in a manner that could reasonably cause offense or humiliation, including conduct, comment, or action that refers to the person's race, religious beliefs, color, disability, age, ancestry, place of origin, marital status, source of income, family status, gender, gender identity, gender expression, 
sexual orientation and includes sexual solicitation or advance. And you can see this was changed just last year. So it's now against the law to cause offense for a whole bunch of reasons, including. So it doesn't have to be racist or sexual in any way. It could be. But if you say something that could offend someone for any reason, including for their gender expression, you're guilty. This makes it against the law to offend. That is not a real human right. That is a counterfeit human right. There is no such thing as the right not to be offended. Certainly a lot of Calgarians are offended by the drag queen story hour for young children. Being offended is not a real human right. And, and by the way, if you look at the punishments in this bylaw, look at Schedule A. If you carry a knife with you, it's a $50 fine. If you poop on the sidewalk, that's a $300 fine. But if you offend a drag queen, even peacefully, that is the largest fine the city will levy, $500. The city is using the word harassment. And they're doing it on purpose because they want to confuse you. They're using it to mean hurt feelings. Literally, you saw, if you cause offense. But the Criminal Code of Canada already has harassment as a crime. But it requires real fear and constant targeting of someone, not just one uncomfortable interaction. And it all has to be proven beyond a reasonable doubt, which is not the standard of proof under Calgary's bylaw. Uh, let me tell you about what real harassment is like, and let me show you what the Criminal Code of Canada says. No person shall, without lawful authority, and knowing that another person is harassed, or recklessly as to whether the other person is harassed, engage in conduct referred to in subsection 2 that causes that other person reasonably, in all the circumstances, to fear for their safety or the safety of anyone known to them. And here's the list of things you're not allowed to do. And again, the test is, are you actually fearing for your safety? Here's the list of prohibited conduct. The conduct mentioned in subsection 1 consists of repeatedly following from place to place the other person or anyone known to them. Repeatedly communicating with, either directly or indirectly, the other person or anyone known to them besetting or watching the dwelling house or place where the other person or anyone known to them resides, works, carries on business, or happens to be, or engaging in threatening conduct directed at the other person or any member of their family. And again, it has to genuinely make them afraid. That's harassment, and it has to be proven beyond a reasonable doubt. What we have in Calgary is a mayor attempting to criminalize her political opponents, not for stalking or besetting or causing fear that you're going to be hurt, but just for causing offense to drag queens based on their gender expression. Now, this bylaw is obviously unconstitutional because it's a violation of freedom of speech, freedom of association, freedom of assembly, but also you heard the mayor, you're not allowed to have certain feelings. So it's a violation of freedom of thought. But it's also a violation of our Constitution's jurisdictional sections. Criminal law is something that only the federal government can enact. You know, uh, we're going to make this a big story at Rebel News, and I'll tell you why. Because we have to nip this in the bud. 
The idea that politicians can ban their peaceful opponents, like the truckers. If Jody Gondek, the mayor of Calgary, has her way, she'd probably invoke martial law on the streets, just like Trudeau did, and seize bank accounts if she could. We're going to do everything we can to stop this. It starts with anyone out there who actually receives a fine or a ticket to contact us. And we'll provide them with a lawyer to defend themselves. And more importantly, we will challenge the constitutionality of this censorship law. If you or someone you know is charged with this outrageous censorship provision, if you or someone you know is the subject of a hateful campaign by the mayor to shut them up, she's the hater. Send me an email to Ezra at rebelnews.com, Ezra at rebelnews.com. And if you've got the ticket, we'll fight it for you. And more than that, we'll challenge the law itself. Stay with us for more. I want to update uh, Torontonians uh, on a difficult personal matter. During the pandemic, I developed a relationship with an employee in my office in a way that did not meet the standards to which I hold myself as mayor and as a family man. The relationship ended by mutual consent earlier this year. During the course of our relationship some time ago, the employee decided to pursue employment outside City Hall and secured a job elsewhere. I recognized that permitting this relationship to develop was a serious error in judgment on my part. It came at a time when Barb, my wife of 40 plus years, and I were enduring many lengthy periods apart while I carried out my responsibilities during the pandemic. As a result, I've decided that I will step down as mayor so that I can take the time to reflect on my mistakes and to do the work of rebuilding the trust of my family. I think it is important, as I always have, for the office of the mayor not to be in any way tarnished and not to see the city government itself put through a period of prolonged controversy arising out of this error in judgment on my part especially in light of some of the challenges that we face as a city. I'm deeply sorry, and I apologize unreservedly to the people of Toronto and to all of those hurt by my actions, including my staff, my colleagues on City Council, and the public service for whom I have such respect. Most of all, I apologize to my wife, Barb, and to my family, who I've let down more than anyone else. I hope the privacy of all of those impacted by my actions can be respected, and that includes me. I think, as you know, that I am naturally not, uh, I'm naturally a private person, notwithstanding some of the jobs that I've had over the years, and I hope you'll respect that and the privacy of everyone else as well, especially my wife and family. I've made the Integrity Commissioner aware of the relationship and asked him to review it. I want to thank the people of Toronto for trusting me as mayor. It has been the job of a lifetime, and while I've let them down and my family down in this instance, I've nonetheless been deeply honoured by the opportunity to serve the people of this wonderful city. And I believe that I did some good for the city, that I did make a positive difference uh, for the city that I truly love, particularly during the pandemic. I'm usually known for taking as many questions as you want to ask, but on this occasion, I think I'll let my statement speak for itself. Thank you. Well, that is Toronto Mayor John Tory, who had a surprise news conference announcing that he was quitting the job as mayor to hand over to a successor as soon as possible with the revelation that he had a sexual relationship with a junior staffer, half his age, 
at City Hall and had covered it up, including by installing this junior staffer at a friendly company, a company with which he and his family have ties. So many questions to put to him. But I think the, the overall feeling I'm personally left with is one of shock. This is a mayor who presented himself as the emblem of Toronto the good, that he would be well-behaved in control of himself, honest, unlike that rascal Rob Ford, you could count on John Tory to do the right thing and be proper and not embarrass anyone, certainly not do anything unethical like that Rob Ford. Well, I'll tell you one thing, Rob Ford at least was not uh, having sexual affairs with minor staffers, or sorry, not minor staffers, staffers much junior to his age. I'm strun- stunned by it. But I'm not sure if I should be someone who has been following John Tory and indeed covering Toronto City Hall for almost 20 years. It's our friend Suzanne Levy, who joins us now via Skype. Suzanne, sorry, uh, Suzanne works for True North News, our friends over there. Suzanne, great to see you again. Um, great to see you, Ezra. Great it's to nice to have you. I'm startled by this because the one thing I believed John Tory on. I never believed him on crime or taxes or traffic or any of the or garbage pickup or or safety or anything. I, but the one thing I believed him on is I thought he was an upright guy, Toronto the good, who was morally better than all the rest of us that he would scold. I really believed that he was a uh, a high minded guy. Certainly not the guy who would cheat on his wife behind her back during the lockdowns and run around with an affair with a woman in her early thirties. I was fooled by him. I wasn't, actually. Many, many years ago, I saw there are two sides to John Tory. And and many, many years ago, I saw the other side um, when he uh, went on his radio program and uh, threw me under the bus, uh, basically criticizing a um, an investigative piece that I had spent three months working on on uh, Regent Park. So, I mean, I, I, I it came out of the blue. And again, like the affair. But the other thing is that I had heard rumors over the last couple of months. You know, if you watch very carefully, it's it's the things that you they don't say or they don't do. But if you watch very carefully, where was his family at his victory party in October? They were not to be seen. Nobody came out on the campaign trail with him. And I didn't think so much about that. But certainly at the victory party, his wife wasn't there. His family wasn't there. And then I started to hear rumors um, closer to Christmas. And then on New Year's, I got a picture, New Year's Eve, got a picture of his wife all alone in Palm Beach. It was sent to me. And, you know, where was John Tory? And it was very clear that he was back up in Toronto. So I had known for a couple of months that they were probably estranged or they certainly weren't spending, uh, you know, significant time together. Hmm. So it didn't come as a surprise to me. Well, you know, that sounds like you had some interesting observations there. I I don't know. On on the one hand, I suppose uh, two consenting adults, what they do is their own business. And the man cheating on his wife is their own business. Although I say again, this man certainly held himself out to be a moral exemplar and certainly better than the immoral Rob Ford. But remember, this affair, this running around with people outside your bubble, as they would say, was during the pandemic lockdowns when... You know, you weren't allowed to gather with strangers. They would literally draw circles on the grass in the parks. They would put fences around trees so you didn't get near people. So while the mayor was saying, hey, you, you cannot visit your mom. 
you cannot go to your grandma's funeral. You cannot visit a patient in the hospital. He was getting within uh, six feet of separation, shall we say, of uh, of a <laughs> junior so staffer and lying about it. I don't know. I, I well, think... you know. Go ahead. I that was the hypocrisy of it all. It, it, you know, they're consenting adults. They can do whatever they want. Although I certainly wouldn't have picked a junior staffer. Uh, there is a bit of a power relationship there, and he did mm -hmm. abuse his power. I feel mm -hmm. the other thing is that it's clear that she went on trips with him. Uh, and whether she was working for him or not working for him, we'll never know. But those trips did cost the taxpayer plenty. And, uh, you know, all you have to do is go to the City Hall uh, website and look at, you know, some of their expenses. And you can see that she racked up some really good expenses. You know, having said that, the hypocrisy of it all. I mean, we had in Toronto the most draconian series of lockdowns. Mm -hmm. People went out of business. I saw in my own neighborhood. Uh, you know what happened with Adamson's barbecue? He sent, mm. you know, 50 police out there, some in horseback to arrest this guy for keeping open during, uh, you know, the, the lockdown. People, other people got fines. Um, the bubbles in the park, as you said, the circles, uh, closing Hyde Park so people couldn't go and see the cherry blossoms. I mean, he really, really went overboard. And you can't blame the health officials. You interpret whatever edicts come down in your own way and no other city in Ontario or I you know I don't know about the rest of Canada but the lockdowns were long they were draconian and a lot of people were driven out of business meanwhile he's having fun you know and people people don't forget that sort of thing and and that's the the chatter I've seen on uh social media over the weekend it's not it's not the fact you know, 37 year difference is a bit of a shock, but it's not that so much as the fact that this is total hypocrisy and he lied to us. Yeah. You know, it's incredible. And it's very interesting. I remember a couple of years ago when Rebel News was hunting for politicians breaking their own rules about travel. It was, mm -hmm. you know, they were saying, don't go, don't fly anywhere. Don't travel unnecessary. Mm -hmm. So we were, we sent folks to drone, uh, uh, John Tory's house I in Florida. That. We uh, yeah. there were some other politicians that I, I we we haven't disclosed that we really tried to hunt. We actually didn't find any in Alberta. Some were discovered in the UK. Like almost every government was cheating mm -hmm. on the rules because they were so draconian. They didn't have a mm -hmm. scientific basis, and frankly, even if they did, people want to live. People want to socialize. Mm -hmm. People want to be spend time with family or in the case of John Tory, a lover less than half his age. And you're right to point out that there is a power imbalance. And for example, was she on these government trips as a concubine or as an assistant? And I, I think that John Tory owes us an explanation, those details, because we need to know were those expenses, him just being a sugar daddy to his girlfriend. And I think we ought to know about how she was installed at MLSE, Maple Leaf Sports Entertainment. Was that some sort of a payoff to her? Who knows? I'd like to know more. Most of this is a private matter between him and his family, and obviously they're not very pleased with him. But there is an interest that I think the public has. And if I sound like I have any glee in this matter, I don't think it would be glee, but there is some schadenfreude as seeing a guy who was against us having uh, legitimate personal relationships during the lockdown being hoist on his own petard for an illegitimate one. I can't say that I'm I'm sad about it other than his poor wife. 
Well, and as you may or may not recall, I exposed a, a trip that he took uh, suddenly, just secretively, and it was secretive, um, to London, England, just as COVID was um, heating up, and right. there, you know, was a crisis declared in 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 England itself, and things were heating up in Toronto and in Canada, and he went off. Poor judgment. He went off to London, England on this trip. Uh, he didn't tell anybody about it. I found out about it. I did a story. And there he is the next day on the phone to his favorite media, his favorite talk show, dissing me, talking hmm. about how I practiced irresponsible journalism, uh, that it was all poppycock, that there was no crisis. I I'd love him to eat his words now. There was no crisis in Toronto. Hmm. Meanwhile, you know, how many seniors died, including my own dad from COVID. But, uh, you know, he, here he is going on. He phones the station and proceeds to, you know, attack my integrity. So uh, it is a bit of schadenfreude. You're right. Well, uh, let's look ahead. I mean, it's what, what a what a shocking and it was a shocking to me because it happened so suddenly. And if I, if I'm mm -hmm. going to give the guy any credit, I, it'll be this that he instead of fighting, fighting, fighting after it was revealed, he he. After all other options were removed, he did the right thing. I mean, he obviously didn't resign out of shame or he would have done so months ago. He resigned because the Toronto mm -hmm. Star was writing about him. But let's look forward. Who might throw their hat into the ring? Are there city councillors? Are there federal cabinet ministers like Ahmed Hassan, the uh, Trudeau cabinet minister from the greater Toronto mm -hmm. area? Are there provincial, mm -hmm. federal, or other city politicians? Because... You know, in a few days' time, I think you're maybe already you're probably going to see some people jockeying for position. Well, I think we got to take first things first, Ezra, because I've been in, my phone has been burning up all weekend. Uh, I had my mum for dinner on eight, on Friday night, and the phone was heating up. I couldn't even pay attention to my poor eighty nine year old mum. But I hear this morning that he's talking about staying on. Oh, really? Staying hmm. on till at least the budget on Wednesday, and then I think that there will be some sort of story concocted that he needs to stay on. See, there are a lot of people associated with the John Tory team, a lot of blacks, a lot of lobbyists, a lot of staff, developers, hate to say it, but they all have a vested interest, not in necessarily in seeing can uh, Toronto thrive, but because it hasn't thrived, but in keeping the John Tory, keeping John Tory going. And I know they've been working on him all weekend, and I wouldn't be surprised if he stayed on. You know, that's a great point. And we've seen that before. Politicians mm -hmm. who just won't say goodbye, even if it's just ringing out a few more weeks and months, even for the travel of it. I think of Aaron O'Toole. I think of Jason Kenney, both mm -hmm. who said, I'm gone. Mm -hmm. And then months and months went by. So, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. John Tory isn't just his own man. He's owned by the other stakeholders you just described. Well, Suan, very interesting times. We'll keep an eye on it. And mm -hmm. you were you were ahead yeah. of the curve. You you had his number before, which is why he always disrespected you. You were one of the few mm -hmm. independent-minded journalists covering the mayor, and I'm glad you get the last laugh. Take care, my friend. Keep up the and great I'm, work with True North. Still, yes, and I'm still covering him. I, and there's still stories to tell, and I'm glad you're on it. Mm -hmm. Suan, wonderful to mm -hmm. see you again. Thanks for being with us. Thanks, Ezra. You take care. Right on. There you have it. Sue Ann Levy with our friends at True North. Stay with us. More ahead.
Hey, welcome back. Your letters to me is someone named KM002, who's either using a code name or is a robot, writes, This reminds me of migrant camps in France. The migrants came into France expecting shelter, food, and various assistance. They were put into tent camps and provided some food, but had to manage their own lives in these camps. The camps became derelict, filthy, and violent. Last I heard, many migrants return to their homeland. Canada hasn't done this yet, but I expect their hospitality will run thin very soon. I know you're talking about Roxham Road, but I'm afraid you're wrong. And the reason is those camps, for example, in Calais, were camps that you couldn't really leave them. They were sort of shanty towns and slums. I don't know if there was, you know, patrols or anything, but you're right. They weren't particularly pleasant. But at Roxham Road, once these illegal migrants step into the country, they're arrested or detained by police. They fill out their immigration forms, and then they're free to go anywhere in the country. They don't have to stay anywhere. They can literally move within Canada at liberty. They can apply for welfare. They can get free health care. They can do anything. And it is literally years before their immigration hearing, at which time you can be sure the judge will say, well, they've been here. They put down roots. They started a family. They can stay. They will never go. Buffered54 says... These former Twitter executives are the faces of those that you want to own nothing, that want you to own nothing and be happy about it. Social media sites are the strong arm of the globalist movement. You know, if we perceive the world through our phones, if that is the way we understand the world to be, as opposed to just using our eyes, I mean, I suppose there was always a medium between us and the world, whether it was TV or radio or even newspapers, but... Everything is so censored and filtered in the algorithms and the suppression and the boosting and the throttling. Whatever you see through the internet is by definition twisted and torqued. I'm not saying that there was no sleight of hand or bias in previous media. It just was more apparent, I think. Less, you know, you, you could avoid it. You could switch from CNN to Fox, for example. You could switch from CBC radio to a private talk radio show. But when Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Google are all under the same censorship masters, then how do you even know what reality is? Co-host Slayer1021 says, what do any of these inquiries accomplish? All these people have clearly found a way out of answering any and all questions. This process is broken and completely ineffective. There's some truth to what you're saying, but at least they have an inquiry. At least the questions were put on the record. And who knows, maybe some legislative change may come about from it. That's better than what we have in Canada, which is nothing. That's our show for today. Until tomorrow, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, to you at home, good night. And keep fighting for freedom. 